The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning. It is Friday, June 11th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn, and today, well, I think we have a pretty fun episode on tap. I'll say this, at least, it's definitely a unique episode. You know, usually you'll mostly get Trey with a guest, and then I'm kind of sprinkled in each week hosting an episode or two. But for the first time here on the College Football Daily, you get us both. That's right. On the line with me now is the host of this great podcast, Trey Scott. Trey, how we doing, man? Glad we were able to both get on and figure this whole thing out today. Lance, you're making me feel like a big deal, like a, a guest in my own my own home. I think that the simple answer here is when this playoff expansion report hit, we were like, okay, this needs to be Friday's episode. Like, let's bump whatever we had in the can. We ha- we already had an episode in the can and let's make it conversational. And usually it's, okay, you know, who should we reach out to? But it, I, I think it's great that you and I are going to talk about this and I'm excited to to see you pilot this thing and, 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 and land it eventually too. And look, the thing is, why reach out to anyone else when we could just reach out to each other? That's the thing. That's right. We have a guest already made, both of us. We can hop on when each other is hosting anytime. And and don't worry to everyone listening. The episode that we originally planned for today, we will give you next week. So you're not missing out on any episode. You know, we're not getting rid of it. It's going to play. Don't worry. You'll be able to listen to it. So look, we're both on right now. You mentioned it because of college football playoff expansion. It's in the air, right? Since 2014, when it started, it seems like we as fans have been begging for it to expand from the four teams it currently is. Well, Trey, our wishes may be coming true. I believe it was Pat Ford of Sports Illustrated that broke it first. The college football playoff working group is recommending a 12-team playoff where the six highest-ranked conference champions get in, followed by six at-large programs. The four highest-ranked champions will also get a buy in the first round. So first and foremost, Trey, what was your initial reaction when you saw the tweet and realized, oh, wow, expansion might finally be here? Well, I think the the noise has been getting louder the last few weeks. It's funny, if you had told me two years ago that the, the thing's going to expand at 12, it'd be like this earth-shattering moment. But when you're actually in the news cycle and you're seeing things every single day and every single hour, it all just feels inevitable at a certain point. And, and I think we like, see that with the developments in name image likeness too. I think the broad takeaway, Lance, there are people who don't like this and I get it. They think it's going to maybe lead to more blowouts. They think that teams like, I don't know, Coastal Carolina or and even maybe a Big 12 team or a Pac-12 team don't really deserve to be with the big boys and, and they could ruin somebody's really special season like, a, like in Alabama. I think this is good though. I, I, I think like it or not, intentional or not, and I can't always bank on the NCAA knowing exactly what they're doing. 
I think this is the year we're going to look back and say college football became much more like the NFL. Transfer portal means free agency. Name image likeness means compensation. And not that the NCAA had anything to do with name image likeness, but you know my point. Expanded playoff. Hey, you know, yeah, maybe the regular season doesn't mean quite as much. Maybe the stakes aren't as high for every game. But Lance, I I still watch just about every single week of the NFL. And the the stakes can get plenty high, too. And the the storylines, whether it's, you know, perfect season or record chasing, that's all still good stuff. So I I think college football has gotten to that point. And do the players love to play the game the, the way they used to? Is the pageantry still there? Are all the things about college football that made it special for us growing up, are those things still there? I would say yes, and I would also say this makes college football healthier. This makes college football more relevant. Nothing's more relevant than the NFL. It's 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 relevant year-round, Lance. I turn on ESPN every single morning hoping to watch NBA playoff highlights or get some sort of discussion about golf or whatever, and they're talking about Aaron Rodgers. I, I think anytime college football can get in lockstep with the NFL, I think that's good for the future of the sport. And, you know, you bring up relevancy, and I think what's most important is that it makes it more relevant – throughout the nation, you know, not only when it comes to playoff time, our regions of, you know, Alabama, the Carolinas, Oklahoma, and let's say South Bend, Indiana, for example, those aren't going to be the only regions that are really interested because those are usually four of maybe five or six teams that always get in. Now, when you have 12, you'll obviously have, you know, hopefully teams out on the West Coast, you know, hopefully more teams in the uh, lower Midwest, like in Texas, for example, Mm -hmm. um, where I know you're from, uh, maybe you'll have an A&M, maybe you'll have a Texas finally be able to sneak into the playoffs. What For me, though, what I think is really interesting Interesting is after reading the press release that came out, what's really interesting is the language used because first I actually had to reread what will happen, right? They say the six highest conference champions get in, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all five power five champions will be part of that six. For example, last year under the 12 team format, Pac-12 winner Oregon would not have gotten in. Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina would have, however. What I would change personally is that I would give each power five winner an automatic bid because in a normal season, and yes, I know Oregon only played six games last year, 2020 was just completely out of whack for the Pac-12. But in a normal season, it's my opinion that a 10 and two champ, hypothetically, frankly, even a nine and three one is more deserving to get in than a group of five champ. You know, I know everyone wants to see group of fives get their shots, but personally for me, it just, it just doesn't do anything. Wow. Okay. First of all, I think anyone's citing, oh, well in 2020, Oregon wouldn't have gotten in. That's a joke. I mean, 2020 was a, a weird season. That's, that's, that's bad data. I think we have to, Lance, if we're going to expand at 12, we have to be okay with at least a group of five team. Like that just has to be something that that we are stomaching. And that's uh, that's probably a part of why this, why this happens. And look, you talk about relevancy and, oh, the West Coast and uh, the middle of America and, and Texas and all that stuff. I can also see the addition of a group of five team, not only rallying the entire group of five network of fan bases, but also being like America's underdog. So I, I think... Should a group of five team make a four-team playoff? No. Should a group of five team make a six-team playoff? No. Eight-team? I don't know. We'll start to have the talk. Twelve? Yeah. I'm not even going to like engage in some sort of like, oh, should Cincinnati make the playoff if they're ranked 10th right now? Like, Of course they should. Lance, this is 12 teams. And I agree with that. My only point is that I think all... And again, in a normal year, like you said, 2020 was completely out of whack. We can't really use that as data because in any other normal year previous, all five power five champions would have gotten in. But if we were to use 2020 as an example, let's say hypothetically, this format would have been adopted prior to this past season and would have been used in 2020. I would have had all five power five conference teams in. 
as well as the highest ranked group of five. I don't foresee the need to put in two group of five teams because, for example, Coastal Carolina in 2020, I believe would have been the 12th team in. They would have gotten rolled, I believe at least, by the four seed, which I think was Notre Dame, if I have that correctly. So yes, I agree that one group of five teams should be in, excuse me, but that's it. I don't foresee the need to put two group of five teams in. Yeah, but I mean, the, the 12 team wouldn't even play a four, a top four seed. And again, excuse me, they would have paid, they would have played five, yeah, which was Texas A&M. Sorry. The 2020 data, there are more group of five teams ranked high because there were less, there's less you know, body of work. Uh, I'll West in, in the Big Ten. I, I tweeted this. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see multiple group of five teams in the playoff. I wouldn't be surprised if very subtly the committee sort of moves the goalpost because I think one is good. I, I support I support one group of five team in the playoff. I don't think you'll see more than more than one though. Like, I, I wouldn't start getting worried about a scenario in which there are two or three group of five schools bumping name brand programs. What does this do, in your opinion, though, to the accomplishment of making the playoff? Like, if you only have to finish really in the top half of the top 25, doesn't getting there kind of lose some of its prestige and I guess some of its significance? Yeah, so I would say this season and next season, 2022, are the last years where you can really crow too much about making the playoff. It sounds like, according to Brad McMurphy, these changes are going to take place after the 2023 season, so uh, within the 2023 season and just that postseason. And then from there, it's it doesn't ring the same. It's not it's not the same thing as making as what we currently think of making the playoff. I'm sure teams will still make you know signage on the stadium and and t-shirts and recruiting claims of hey we made the playoff this year and that year too but i, I think lance maybe a, a top four buy seed will, will matter more and then of course a national title is what we're truly pursuing here and it, it just will be funny though like alabama has had this vice grip on playoff and and we you know yeah of course lsu and, and georgia and alabama is not the only sec team to make it but it, it will be funny when florida can go well Hey, we're, we're recruiting against Alabama. We can, we got the playoff pitch too. You know, you get another ACC team in there whenever that happens, North Carolina, maybe Miami, maybe one day Florida state in, in five years. Hey, hey, why are you going to Clemson? We're not the only team in the conference who makes the playoffs. So does it matter nearly as much? No. Is it as cool as big of a deal? No. Will, will people keep using it as a bragging right? Of course. Are you, I guess, worried a little bit? Because I, I think I am. And granted, I'm a Big Ten guy. You know, I went to Rutgers. I support the Big Ten as a whole. But are you worried that this could kind of turn into a Big Ten SEC kind of tournament with, you know, the Clemsons, Oklahoma's, Notre Dame's kind of sprinkled in there too? Because I think, and if I did the math correctly, in 2019 and obviously in 2020, those two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, would have made up at least half of the teams that got into this format of the playoffs. Are you worried that those two conferences, because they seem to be right now like the premier conferences, will they just kind of take over, especially when, you know, you have these Big Ten teams, at least like a Michigan that you assume one day will get back. Penn State that has always the last couple of years kind of been on the brink, not necessarily last year, but their years previous. You know, once those teams kind of get more up to speed, are you, are you nervous that this could kind of become a two conference thing with with only the uh, the top of the other conferences kind of getting in? No, I mean, look at the under this format in the last however many years out of the Big 12, Baylor would have made it. TCU would have made it. Iowa State would have made it. Kansas State would have made it. I think you'll see years where a little too heavy on the SEC or a little too heavy on the Big Ten. But the fact that we're talking about a scenario in which Kansas State or Iowa State could have made the playoff, that seems fair to me. 
I think it's funny that Texas, n- none of these circumstances, Texas ever would have made the playoff. <laughs> and I, you know, I, you want to talk about fair, like Notre Dame, uh, because the, the top four seeds go to the, the top four highest ranked conference champions. Notre Dame's never going to get a home, a home game or sorry, a buy. That's more unfair than, than the, uh, the idea of the SEC or the Big Ten getting too many. And, and, and I, I would also argue this, the Big Ten, Ohio State has had such, a, such an effect on the Big Ten East that it's almost more likely that the other team to make the Big Ten uh, would, unless Penn State was really strong, would be a, a Big Ten West team. I'm for that. Like I think Wisconsin has been in the national spotlight long enough to deserve uh, a much bigger stage. I think it would be cool to see how Northwestern could do. I think it would be cool to see Iowa, you know, maybe Nebraska one day. Like I'm, I am all for those opportunities. And I think the, the same thing, like the SEC, that would just be, I think, an extra opportunity for an SEC East team that doesn't always, you know, get a chance to make it to make it. And you, know, you mentioned Notre Dame. And if I were a fan of the, of the Irish, I'd be, I'd be pretty mad to think that Notre Dame, because the press release states that the top four seeds will be the four highest conference champions. Notre Dame obviously is an independent. They don't have a conference. It looks to me like Notre Dame could possibly finish number one and not get a bye. That is pretty unfair for the Irish. And I'd be pretty mad if I was a fan of Notre Dame. Absolutely unfair. You know what's cool though? So these, these first round games will take place after conference championship week before the Christmas holiday. So like mid-December, of course, if Notre Dame was seated high enough to host a game in the playoff, Lance, you know, the Timps in South Bend in mid-December, like that's, that's quite the home field advantage. That's a little bit different than Austin, Texas, or, you know, Gainesville, Florida. Is it fair? No, but I, I could get on board with a college football playoff game in South Bend. And, you know, that, that makes me wonder, do you like the fact that I think in that first round, the higher rated seed will be hosting? Like, do you like the fact that they'll be able to, you know, have their home crowd and really only their home crowd at these playoff games? Yeah, I think that's like the best part of this. I think I think you're putting the college football pageantry on a massive level, on a massive stage against opponents who they don't usually play. I think that's really cool. I'm looking at last season's, you know, proposed college football playoff format. Uh, last season's kind of weird, but like Indiana at OU, when else is Indiana going to go to OU? Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa State at Florida. The idea of Georgia going to Cincinnati is fascinating. Like Georgia travels really well. Like what, what does that look like at that stadium? A&M hosting Coastal Carolina, I would imagine that would be mostly an Aggie crowd. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's really cool to have, to, to have such big games on college football stadium campuses. I think the local economy is going to benefit. I think that's really important after a COVID year. I mean, we saw Nebraska try to get out of uh, a trip to, uh, to Oklahoma this year because they, they said they wanted an extra home game to bolster the Lincoln economy. I think this is that's probably the coolest part is having games on college campuses. I think the only thing that I would say here is if you're one of the top four seeds, do you get some sort of revenue cut of the opportunity to host a playoff game at home? Like if you're Clemson, and you get a buy, you're glad you get a buy, you get an extra week of rest, you don't have to worry about a first-round knockout. But you really would have also liked to host some Florida Cater fans and give your give your town the, the biggest day of its year. Yeah, and, you know, same thing. Like, like you said, you know, if you're Alabama, Ohio State, I'm sure you would love the revenue, both for your school and, like you said, for the surrounding town, to get all of those fans, even if it's your own home fans, just to get all your fans at your stadium one more time before you, you know, then have to play at a more neutral site for whatever your next round game is. Trey, 
I'll leave you on this one. If you, I guess, had sole power to kind of change the college football playoff, what would you have chosen to do? Would you have gone with this 12-team format or would you have kind of gone in a different direction? When I think of the college football glory days, I think of the 2000s. And I think everyone's going to say a different answer. I think it depends on when you grew up and how the team that you grew up rooting for did. You know, in that era, Lance, I would imagine you kind of say the same thing because that's when Rutgers was really chopping. And I think about the 2000s, and of course, it was the BCS era. So only two teams could make it. And it was still okay. Like everything else was still relevant. And and even if you knew that you weren't going to make the top two, I remember the 2005 season, like it, it was obvious after Texas beat Ohio State in week two and after USC got past Notre Dame, or even it was kind of surprising that that was close. You knew those two teams were on a crash course for a title game, but it didn't make Michigan versus Penn State, the Mario Manningham game, less of a big deal. It didn't make what Brody Croy was doing for Alabama. I believe they jumped out to a a significant undefeated start. It didn't make that less cool. I think this gives college football a chance to, in addition to giving more teams an opportunity, which is absolutely important for the livelihood of the sport, we're losing the West Coast right now. We're, you know, we're, we're losing some of the non-SEC, non, non-Big Ten powers. I, I think this gives college football a chance to create more opportunity for other schools. And I, I really, because college football, I've seen it great when only two teams can make the playoff. I don't know why that significantly impacts the regular season here. I get the argument that you, you lose a game and it's less painful, but I still think all of these games are going to matter. I think 12 I don't know if it's what I would have come up with a month ago. And I, I, I don't know if I'm making too much sense in correlating this to the 2000s, but I, I, I can't imagine looking at this 12 team bracket, Lance, it looks pretty fun to me. So I can't really imagine now saying, no, I want to go down to six. What about you? Yeah, I probably would have went with eight. Personally, I've been a big proponent of eight. I really believe strongly that all five group of uh, all five power five, excuse me, champions should get in. I think that one group of five, the highest rated group of five teams should also get an automatic bid. And then you give the, I guess, what would be the seventh and eighth seeds, not necessarily in that order, because I think you should have the ability to kind of reseed once all eight teams are chosen. But I think the last two teams in those automatic qualifiers should just be, you know, the two highest rated teams that aren't one of the champions and aren't the group of five champion. That's what I would have done. I think 12 is a lot. I think eight is just a little bit better and just kind of formats a little bit better. I don't think any of the teams should frankly get a buy. And I also don't think that any team should have to play one more game than any other team. You know, I think you should just have the same uniform amount of games. That's why you have eight teams. You have the champions in, you have the group of five team in, and then you have those two automatic qualifiers. That's what I would have gone with. But, you know, that's why we're here and they're the ones, you know, getting paid the big bucks and making the big decisions to try and figure out this college football playoff format. I guess the one thing with eight would be you're still leaving a lot up for debate. They're hoping that they're not, you know, going to face number 13 team with a massive argument. I'm sure they will. But like Lance, if you go eight and you go power five champions, get an automatic bid. I'm giving one to a group of five, two at larges. There have been years in which the Pac-12 was absolutely atrocious and did not deserve to make the playoff. And you're most likely going to leave out a Georgia or Florida or like an A&M only because you want to get Oregon in. Hey, I mean, I, we eliminate all that. And, and I love the drama, but when we, we get to 12 and, you know, I feel like they would do a 20, they would do a 64 team playoff if they could, Lance. They realize that come late October, most of these college football fans are checking out. And I, I think hopefully at the end of the day, I think that I, I would hope the impact of this is that it salvages 
um, the passion for a lot of fans who don't get to root for an Alabama or a Clemson or an Ohio State. Yeah, certainly. And again, that's the hope. And I think relevancy, you know, like we talked about earlier, is kind of the big thing with this. They want to keep more fans involved, more fans tuned in. And obviously with more fans tuned in, the ratings go up and the TV revenue and the TV money obviously goes up too. And, you know, you mentioned before we go, Trey, you mentioned that you wanted to go back to the to the 2000s, you know, and, and you said that records were chopping. I looked back in 2006, which was the best season really in program history for the Scarlet Knights. The final poll had them at 12th. If the college football playoff format were to have been enacted, then Rutgers would have matched up in the first round. They would have traveled to Boise, Idaho to mm. take on the Boise State Broncos. I don't believe Rutgers ever played Boise State, but that was a Boise State team that went undefeated. What a matchup it would have been. Could have, you know, then told you that my Scarlet Knights had made the playoffs at one point in my life. But hey, you never know. With 12 teams, maybe that just gives Rutgers more of a chance to finally get there and, you know, finally, you know, reach that college football playoff. I can't wait for the day. It's getting me amped. Well, Lance, I think you just answered the question of does uh, going to 12 weaken the the uh, the bragging right of making the playoff. <laughs> I, think you, I think you just did. It weakens it for everyone else but my Scarlet Knights. Right? Come on, you know that. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look, we've wanted college football playoff expansion for years now. Looks like we'll finally get it. Agree or disagree, change is coming. Trey, this is our first episode together. I'm glad we could do it. And I'm excited for the episodes we obviously have planned coming out on the college football daily in the near future. Lance, you did a great job. It was uh, it was fun to join it and chop it up and be in a different, you know, it's uh, it's it's a little bit different being the guest and not necessarily being the host. You got to you got to talk a little bit longer. So uh, I appreciate you letting me stretch out my pipes and uh you you do a great job when you when you fill in and of course you uh, are a great producer too yeah it was fun kind of putting you on the spot uh during this little 20 minute episode so for trey scott i am lance glenn he'll be back with you next week i'll be back in my normal producing role have a good weekend everyone and make sure to tune in monday to the next edition of the college football daily CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.